Hey, this is Buzzwood here for Wi-Fi Alliance. Welcome once again to The Signal. It's our podcast where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi and deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that are changing the connectivity landscape. And if you're new here, consider subscribing so you don't miss the latest happenings in the world of Wi-Fi. On today's broadcast, we're going to celebrate World Wi-Fi Day. That's right. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, needless to say, it has been a tough year, and uh, World Wi-Fi Day couldn't come soon enough. Uh, We all rely on this uh, wonderful technology to communicate and be connected. And as we now find ourselves in recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, these last 18 months, we've found brand new ways to communicate, work, study, and teach. The emphasis of having good connectivity, well, it's at a premium. And as many turn to teleconferencing to communicate, it's never been more important. This, in turn, has put a whole new focus on one of the connection methods we use each day, but sometimes forget about, and that's Wi-Fi. And in this World Wi-Fi Day today, we're going to focus on one of the most important markets where Wi-Fi has had an immediate impact, and that's education. With education being such an important part of our society, we thought we'd focus on how one school district overcame the challenges of connectivity and the role that Wi-Fi played in that. So joining me today is Dr. Tom Ryan, co-founder of K-12 Strategic Technology Advisory Group in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He also serves as CIO for Santa Fe Public Schools in the great state of New Mexico. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Buzz. It's a great opportunity to speak about uh, great things going on in education. Well, we're glad to have you here. And Tom is an education professional with over 36 years of experience uh, and expertise in teaching, leadership, technology integration, blended and online learning program development. And he works with schools and districts and leadership on strategic planning, designing digital learning environments, and important to this conversation today is going to be technology infrastructure for sure, and uh, which would include Wi-Fi and its role in supporting students, teachers, and families. So, Tom, once again, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Buzz. It should also be mentioned that Tom is a board member with COSIN, that's the Consortium of School Networking, one of the leading educational innovation organizations in the world. And in early May of this year, COSIN released a breakthrough study on student home connectivity. It's a great study, by the way. Read it myself. Uh, Here on The Signal, we'd like to pick three talking points to focus on uh, things that we'd like to talk about, particularly related to this whole idea of connectivity and education. And so with that, we'll let's get started. Uh, Our first talking point is uh, something to kind of give us a baseline to to, uh, all our listeners and give them some idea of the scope and connectivity uh, issues that are facing education. So uh, what say you, Tom? Well, COVID exposed uh, the inequities in our our public education system. And so when we had to make this huge lift to bring everything online, um, which happened in a very short period of time, um, we had to make sure that all of our kids had a device and that every kid had connections to the internet because without that connection, they had no education at all. Um, And so this was a huge challenge for us uh, over the last year to to build out those that infrastructure and, and provide the devices and then train up our teachers and staff so that they could really create an environment that was going to be a positive for the kids. 
Yeah, talk a bit about um, the diversity of your populations and how Wi-Fi helped underserve students and communities, because that, that was another emphasis, right? Yeah, you know, specific to Santa Fe, Santa Fe is, is a wealthy community, but our student population um, is uh, 80% f- uh, free and reduced lunch. So it, it's a group of families that, that uh, income is a challenge for them. And so they didn't have homes with connect- connections and devices and the opportunities that, say, our, our, our other kids had. So we had to figure out how to solve that. But, but we also found that we got rural communities that don't have infrastructure at all. And, and how, do we bring, how do we bring connectivity to them? Urban centers have areas where you've got good infrastructure and then areas that you don't and the, the, the cellular the signals that the kids are getting families are, are um, not very good or don't exist at all. So the difference between urban, suburban, rural and urban between the kids that have uh, resources home, and the kids that don't, they all bring a bunch of unique challenges that no one solution will be able to solve. Mm-hmm. And I bet too, that you, have to consider the family dynamic as uh, an unexpected discovery in all this too. I mean, just solving the student problem alone wasn't sufficient, right? Right. What we first started, I mean, we were trying to solve a ton of problems all at the same time. Um, and we needed to get connections for kids. And so the first response was, well, the first and easiest was let's get them a hotspot. And then we found, well, the hotspot doesn't have enough throughput for the heavy synchronous video uh, sessions that the kids are having, that the the homes don't have good connectivity to their to them, that the um, devices are not only slow, but they'd have data caps or other barriers that stop them. And, and so we had to go back and say, well, giving a device to a family isn't good enough. Some of these families, there's multiple kids. On the other end of that, when you start looking at it from an equity perspective, we're trying to develop resources for parents so that parents can do this job of teaching while they're at home and support their, their child. And therefore, I've got to make sure that the parent is connected also. So when you've got several people com- uh, uh, competing for bandwidth that's limited in the first place, this makes a, a significant challenge. And it, that challenge is on those kids and those families that have a le- the least to be able to offer to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And was that something that at first was kind of a, a blindside that you thought, wait a minute, we're, we're slicing this pie pretty thin for, particularly with the demands of video and audio and things like that, uh, particularly when you, you put it in a, in a multi-generational setting, which some, some homes have that, right? You've got uncles, aunts, grandparents, those types of things, right? Yeah. Well, in, in 2018, before the pandemic, I don't think most schools and communities were thinking it's the school's job to connect kids at home. In 2019, in that second semester, all of a sudden that became a priority. So we went from not thinking that this is part of our job to this is our core function of our job, and that's an equity issue. So you brought up family. Um, these kids aren't. These kids come from some homes that are are divorced, so they have uh, uh, some time with mom sometime with dad, sometime with a daycare provider, um, the, the, as well as the numbers. We even found that in the high school age, uh, kids were finding out who had a good internet connection, and then there'd be five or six people. And, and the study that we did with COSIN let us know where these kids were connecting from, 
how long they're on, what their throughput for each individual kid was so that we could design something. And we're finding that our, our kids that had higher bandwidth ended up having a whole bunch more kids over at the, that house so that they could connect to the internet. And therefore they have uh, restricted bandwidth available to each person that's on that connection. It's like bees to honey. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they know where the getting's good. Um, you know, so it, it was a multifaceted challenge to say the least. Um, you know, I mean, going into it, I don't think you were thinking that it was just going to be a couple things and you'd be done, but it, it opened up a lot of different things uh, and, and that, that were made known, right, during this whole, you know, discovery. Yeah, I, I think it was Churchill who said, never, never waste a crisis. Um, but we, we went into this with an attitude uh, not that we're victims to all of this terrible stuff, but this was going to provide us an opportunity to make the changes we needed in the education system that we needed to make. At least that's what we did in Santa Fe, and that's what a lot of my peers did. So we looked at how do we make this happen as opposed to what was me. And so, yes, we had to get devices out. Santa Fe was fortunate because we'd already had one device per, per kid, so we could really focus on this connectivity piece, which is a huge challenge. Yep. We ended up putting out originally 600 hotspots. And then when we went through this study that actually geomaps every kid so that I have a color-coded dot on the address of that kid and I can tell you how they're connecting, what kind of device they're connecting, what ISP they're using. Yep. And this gave me a ton of information to say, boy, we're underserving these kids when we think we're going to give them a hotspot and the problem is solved. This really leads me to, because I don't want anyone who's listening to miss on this, this geomapping that Tom's talking about was a big, big deal. But, you know, in our second talking point here, we're going to talk about how they, after identifying the challenges, how they brought remedy. And uh, I'll let you pick it up on the geomap thing, because I think it's just a brilliant story. So uh, go ahead. Well, we, we taken and giving parents surveys, especially parents that don't have a lot of technology, and those are the people you want to you want to get to. Sure. Wasn't a good fix for us. We just we we're starting to operate a little bit in the blind, and when it wasn't dependent upon that to deliver educational service, I suppose we could get away with it. What we wanted was to be able to find out what does every kid have and where do they live that don't have good connections. And so we worked with a company, Anive, who does data visualization. And they said, I think we can help you figure this out. Uh, so we created this partnership with them, and they tied our student information system into our filtering logs, our Google environment, Google Council, and some other data that we, that we kept. And we were able to figure out the throughput on average for every single kid over a, a, a short period of time. What that allowed us to do is to see where we were having pockets. So mobile home parks were high density of kids with slower throughput. Some rural areas, some mountainous areas in our community were not getting good connectivity. And instead of saying, let's get everybody hotspot, now we were able to look at other solutions uh, to solve the problem that was much more targeted to the challenges that the child and that family were going to face um, going forward. And it eliminates the guessing for sure, because now you're you're working with data sets that are much more telling, and and I think you know mapping that is just brilliant. I mean, it's just spot on. And I you know, and just the fact that you had the ingenuity to kind of put this together, because you you kind of had to scotch tape the whole thing together, right? It just wasn't out there, right? 
I don't know of anywhere else we could have gotten all of this data. Most systems will collect data on their specific silo. You know, the, the filtering companies collect data to assure that it's not their filter that's causing problems. The synchronous video are collecting data to show that it's not, that, that they can change the resolution rate for video, but nobody tied that into student information. I can tell my bilingual families, I can tell the kids that are uh, on, uh, in free and reduced lunch programs, and I could, again, really target, and to your point earlier, you know, bringing an opinion to the table and bringing data to the table makes a significant difference. Yeah, no we have presented this information to our city, to the state Department of Education. We've also testified to the FCC um, about the facts about kids, their connectivity, and we're not guessing anymore and trying to throw things at it to solve. We're coming up and saying, here's exactly what's happening and here's how we can fix it. Yep. Well, you know, and looking again at remedy uh, in this part of our discussion, um, you know, with the geographical hurdles, you said you're in a mountainous area. Um, you know, by the way, people who are in metro areas, they don't have mountains, they have buildings that get in the way. So uh, that, there's always those types of things. And then uh, I believe there was a story you told me uh, when we were just getting acquainted uh, about a parking lot that was used. And again, Wi-Fi playing a big role in that. Uh, talk a little bit about what went on in the parking lot as a deployment uh, spot uh, area. Yeah. So after we looked at the data that we had, we started looking at um, what are the specific challenges that the kids are facing, and we figured out very quickly we cannot solve this alone. We uh, ended up, um, like I said, reaching out to our uh, the private sector and seeing if they can help us with tools to give us the data we need and put it in a in a way that my board of education and my community would understand. Um, we also partnered with our city who um, wanted to do the best that they could to help these families. And so we ended up uh, working a partnership with them and we connected our school's parking lots and provided Wi-Fi to, in the school parking lots and the libraries and the community centers. And a lot of the buildings were closed, but we wanted to have a, a safe place for kids to be able to at least get access to the internet to download or get the information they needed. And so we had a number of these spots around the city that were providing that access. And then we had some nonprofit groups in Santa Fe that said, we want to help. And how can, can, we, can we purchase the devices and other tools that these kids need so they all have an opportunity to, to learn? So this public-private, intergovernmental, and the local community coming together um, was really a wonderful thing. And I think something that we can continue with this partnership going forward because we still have big problems to solve. I, I think I mentioned to you that we kind of put up an emergency shelter in this first year. Um, now we've really got to develop and hone the skills and, and interoperate the different systems so that we can get the data and information along with just providing the kids access. And you make a great point. You remind me of our conversation beforehand that, um, we're moving from crisis to practice, um, you know, which is a great way to think about it. Um, so it's not just a, a, a reactionary kind of phase. We're actually in a strategic phase now to think about more deeply about where we're going with it. And, and that brings us to our third talking point. Um, uh, just for everyone who's listening, uh, 
Wi-Fi Alliance has over 900 members who design and develop and manufacture products that provide connectivity via Wi-Fi. And, and if Tom, if you're looking at that as a resource, how, how might this organization help education market uh, most effectively with, with that much membership all around Wi-Fi? Well, there are school districts, as I mentioned earlier, that are large and small. Uh, in the state of Mexico, we have some school districts without 100 students to them, and we've got other school districts that have 90,000 students. And then when you look across the country, um, this diversity of in the school system um, has a bunch of kids or a bunch of school districts that, that don't have the technical expertise. I think there's over 10,000 school districts under 10,000 students, um, and they may not have the technical expertise to be able to solve this the beauty is with the cloud, there's an opportunity to bring people from the outside that have that expertise to the table to help us to solve the problems that we face. Now, if they come in and say, here's our product, and this will solve some problems for you, that, that doesn't help as much as here's the problem I have, connecting every single kid to uh, uh, high-speed broadband so that they can access educational resources and not be at a disadvantage compared to other kids. How can we do that? And we think it's going to be more than just one solution, not just the solution that you're providing. I think there's an opportunity for us to rethink that relationship. I know those vendors that create that partnership opportunity with me, I mean, those are people that I'm, I'm loyal to because I know they're going to help me solve my problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm more than just a sale to them. I'm, I'm a, a, an opportunity to create something that probably – is going to be used by multiple schools and districts, not just me, because it's the problem that I'm facing is the same problem that we're facing across the country. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times in this new type of collaborative partnership that you're describing, that if if more manufacturers saw this uh, instead of landing products to the market and hoping they fit, this way they could design the product with much more forethought. And again, as you well point out, the problems you have aren't unique to New Mexico. They're, they're, there's so much commonality of these challenges across districts across the U.S. Um, so it, n- making something for you is not a one-off in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, well, and not only that, we just completely transformed public education. It isn't the same model that we had for the last 200 years. Yep. Um, parents are now know, know that they can get Internet and classes delivered to their home, that teachers and students, our teachers and parents have been very connected almost on a daily basis that we can offer different types of modalities to provide that instruction. So the problems that we have aren't unique to me. Um, In fact, they're all of those, and everybody's facing that. So everybody's rebuilding what education is going to look like, and what a great opportunity, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, we've been complaining about it for quite a while, uh, that we need to do something different, and now uh, because of uh, the change that the pandemic forced us to do, we have seen our eyes have been open to other things that could personalize that instruction for kids. Well, it's worth noting that Wi-Fi Alliance certifies products to meet uh, industry-agreed requirements to ensure a consistent experience across Wi-Fi devices and networks. And what that means simply uh, for our education community is that they can be assured that what they're buying is 
is is going to do what it's supposed to do and and function the way that one would want it to. And in this new design that you're talking about, Tom, it's going to even be more effective that you can collaborate lock arms to kind of create devices that you're not lamenting, gosh, I wish it had this or it had that, when you can get it from the jump and start doing it right from the beginning of the de- development of the product. You know, and bringing solutions to education involves more than just education. I think we've talked about this today. It's about consumers, being families and home. It's enterprise, meaning businesses. And as you pointed out, uh, talking about the parking lot, it's government. You had the city officials get involved. So it really cuts across all those markets. Uh, so it isn't just we're talking today about education. It really is completely integrated uh, when you start looking at it. And, and, and again, your good work really unearthed some of this uh, perspective that I think sometimes people get kind of monoptic about it. They kind of look only through one lens and see it only one way. Um, last thought would be this, is with the new technologies like Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E and other technology improvements that are coming down the pike, um, how do you see this impacting education as we move into the future? Now, that's a great question, Buzz. The, I, I think the role of the CIO, the technology leader in the district, has significantly change. We can't be break fix kind of first people and we need to be strategic partners and, and uh, with the instructional and the operational side of the house. And that, that opens the door then from getting away from break fix to also partnering with the community, uh, the vendors out there that are providing solutions uh, that I can then take and, and be able to adopt within my environment. And again, uh, environments just like mine all across the country. We need to be able to provide Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E and be able to give the connectivity we need. But we have some schools, like I said, that don't have the infrastructure. We have other schools, other school districts that have hundreds of schools in their community, and they're all over the map from very old technology to very new technology. And we need to figure out how do we start to move this large infrastructure that supports our most precious asset, which is our children, into a world where they can have access anytime and anywhere to the high-quality instructional resources uh, that they need. So we're, we're at this point now, if, 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 if the COVID uh, situation is, is lightening up enough that we're going to have all kids have an opportunity in the fall to go back to school, are we going to go back to 2019 school or are we going to leverage the opportunity to tra- continue to transform the system and move us from that shelter in place kind of a thing or the emergency self shelter into the kind of a learning environment that we, that we need from the future. We've had exponential growth in internet uh, demand in schools since 2000. Um, and that growth isn't going to go away now that we've given everybody a device yep. and we've taught them a whole bunch of skills. In fact, I, I substituted in a, in a classroom um, this in February because we were trying to get all the kids back in class and we didn't have enough teachers that had received their shot. So I volunteered to work in a fourth-grade classroom, and I was just amazed at the skills that these kids had. They were had multiple applications open on their Chromebooks. They had a, maybe a digital book that they're reading. They had the synchronous video with the teacher. They had uh, a Google Doc that they were filling out uh, questions and re- responding. The teacher is engaging with individual kids and the group as a whole. 
kids were having problems getting an application. Other kids, this is fourth grade, are helping them get through that application. What's, what's the age of a fourth grade? Just so everyone's listening knows what we're talking about here. Well, uh, nine-year-old, nine, nine or ten years old. Right. Um, um, and these kids, these kids could figure that out. They could help each other. They were very supportive. It was a great thing to see. I've got two daughters that teach. And when I ask them, what's going to be different uh, in, in 20 that you expect? And they said, every one of my kids now knows how to log in, get on, and do this. I don't have to spend half my class period trying to get these kids to figure out how to log into an environment. So they know. <laughs> Their parents know. Yep. And they're going to expect something different than we were able to provide them before. So I, I am just uh, amazed at it the growth that they've had. And it's not something that we're measuring on standardized tests, but it's certainly a skill that's going to be necessary for them to be successful in the future. Gosh, isn't that the truth? I mean, it's like having your own personal IT team. It's a, it's yeah. that good. You know, the fact that they rallied and became troubleshooters to bring remedy to their own problems is uh, impressive. Um, you know, and they're only eight and nine years old. I mean, come on, that's just uh, that's a remarkable story. Um, Tom, we could probably talk for hours. I, I just am so appreciative of you spending some time and giving the insight that you have today with us. And uh, we'd love to have you back on again because, uh, like you said, this is going to keep growing and going. I mean, we've been doing this in 2000, and I think you're absolutely spot on. I think the pandemic has uh, created an awareness now that we just can't close our eyes to anymore, wouldn't you say? I, I think um, with as sad uh, as that whole year was, yep. Uh, I, I really believe the future is going to be something I'm extremely excited about. Um, we have an unprecedented opportunity uh, in our hands. And if we have some courageous school leaders that decide we're going to continue to take this forward, um, we've got federal funds that have come in. We've got partnerships within the community. We've, we've got an opportunity to do something that I think, um, well, it's going to, make me look back at my career and think I was a part of that yep. and I made a difference. And I think for those people that want to partner with us, uh, there's no more excuses. This is an opportunity that uh, I'm just really, really looking forward to. Yeah. Tom, thanks for the uh, education, leadership, thought leadership on this whole thing. Uh, we, we need more Toms in the world, <laughs> safe to say. So thanks again for spending this time with us on World Wi-Fi Day 2021. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we appreciate it for sure. This was a great conversation that we just, uh, again, don't feel like ending, but uh, we will invite Tom back uh, here shortly and get him on the show and uh, find out what the latest is in education. Uh, every few weeks, we plan on broadcasting a new episode that's relevant, entertaining, and informative. Uh, we'll make sure with the, we always keep you on the inside track about the latest happenings in Wi-Fi. And make sure you don't miss out on any information that's critical to your customers and to your business. So each week we'll share information in our show notes so that you can follow up on the innovations we have talked about. And if you're not a Wi-Fi Alliance member, well, now's a great time to join and help drive the future of the Wi-Fi industry. To join or learn more about our organization, visit us at wifi.org. And please subscribe and listen to The Signal on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify to make sure you stay on top of the latest happenings in Wi-Fi. This is Buzzwood. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.